Hello, everyone, and welcome to Keep Screaming, a horror podcast where two best friends dissect slasher movies one by one. Was that it? Did I get yeah, it? All right. great. Yeah, I didn't even have to bring up the page that time. It only took five episodes. Yeah, we got there. <laughs> um, hello, everyone. If you haven't listened to the show before, my name is Ryan Larson, and this is my co-host, B. Bass. Hi. And we are here to take a look at the slasher genre, um, take one movie per episode and kind of dissect that movie, so going through them one by one uh, for this episode. We have picked a New Year's-themed movie, at least, you know, if you look into it, it says it's New Year's theme, but by watching it, you would barely know so, but that movie is Terror Train, starring Jamie Lee Curtis, post-Halloween fame, right? Post-Halloween, pre-prom night. This was her first additional slasher entry gotcha. after this, Halloween. Um, 1980. 1980, okay. Yeah. When's prom night? 1981, Gotcha. Okay. Uh, before we kick off the show, just so you guys know, you can find us at keepscreaming.com, uh, where B is very diligent and keeps up our list because we rank every movie. Um, there's also all the episodes that you can find on there. There's little bios on us. Uh, there's some posters that B has designed, and she'll get back to that when she gets her new computer. Um, so you can find us there. You can find us online at Screaming Cast on Twitter. You can find us on Castbox if you have an Android device, and we're still working on getting through other means there. Um, but also, Apple Podcasts is probably the easiest place to find us. And of course, if you can rate, review, subscribe, share, we appreciate it. So uh, yeah, that's where you can find us online. Uh, Ryan, what'd you watch this week? Yeah, so every episode we kick off with a, like, what what did you watch? I just threw my keys on the ground. You probably heard that. Um, like, what did you watch? Kind of like a pop culture check-in. I've watched a lot this week because uh, we are, this is, it's actually New Year's Eve today. Um, is it New Year's Eve today? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So oh, happy fil- New Year's Eve, yes. right? So we're filming, uh, not filming, we're recording on New Year's Eve, which is appropriate. Um, yeah, which is highly appropriate for this movie. Um, and the end of the year, I always try to watch, uh, the Oscar movies that I can get my hands on. Um, so I watched Wind River this week, which was Jeremy Renner, Elizabeth Olsen, um, directed by Taylor Sheridan. I actually really enjoyed it. Um, especially because I can always, I always enjoy a movie a little more when I know that it represents a certain type of people. In this instance, it's Native Americans. And a lot of Native Americans have come forward and said it's in, like a, an accurate portrayal of um, life on the res. So I enjoy that too, knowing that it's not just some like whitewashed movie and like some bad representation. So that's that's good. Um, I also saw what did I see? I feel like I've watched so much this week. Oh, I saw Pitch Perfect three, um, which is okay. It's fine. It's it takes a weird turn in the middle and turns into a spy thriller. Um, so that gets a little weird, but I think it's a good note to go out on. Um, and Anna Kendrick, of course, is a total babe and excellent in it. Mm -hmm. Yes, she is the best. Um, what else? Did I watch anything else? I don't know. You just said you watched a ton. Oh, I watched three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, which ruined me. Um, (laughs) I just was sobbing uncontrollably. That movie is so, so sad. Um, it's fantastic. Uh... It's, oh, I can't remember the name of the director now. Martin McDonough, I think, is his name. Um, he did In Bruges and Seven Psychopaths, and this stars Francis McDormand, Woody Harrelson, Sam Rockwell. Um, it's it's very bleak and a very dark comedy, but it's super well-written, um, very emotional, very powerful stuff. Uh, so that's definitely something I would check out if you are into those kind of movies. Um... Those were the big ones for me. And then, have I been watching any TV? Not really, no. Everything's on a break right now. So, uh, I know Black Mirror just dropped. I've never watched it, so I keep hearing amazing things. I'll probably get around to that. And then also um, trying to finish up the second season of Channel Zero before the third season drops in February. It's very different. The second season? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I liked, it's really good. I watched the it's first three really episodes. Different. I, I liked yeah. it, yeah. What'd you watch? Uh, Not much. This is a rare week. I didn't watch very much. Went home. uh, Spent time with my family for Christmas and my husband's family. Um, So I just watched uh, not a lot of horror. I did watch the new Planet of the Apes, which I really liked. Mm -hmm. Um, Got to watch that with my mom on Christmas Day. 
I've never watched any of the new ones. Oh, I really like all of them. I'm and sure I I'm will. a fan of that that series in general, and I think this new um, this is the third one of like the newest entries. I think they're all excellent and do a really good job at um, sort of a common theme we were talking about. Movies I feel like are doing a better job at social commentary mm-hmm. without like hitting you over the head, where it's like you're going to learn a lesson from this film, where it's just like you kind of look and go, oh interesting right like wow that's a really interesting parallel they're making and woody harrelson's in it um Mm -hmm. he's sort of like the bad guy in this one and he's always great i love him yeah Yeah. it it was super good um i really like that i mean i like sort of the sci-fi genre in general um but really enjoyed it and it kind of makes me want to like go back i haven't seen like the first, like the first one of this new series like james frank on over a while i really liked that one so that was really good. Um, just watch like Christmas movies um, because you know Christmas was this week, right? Um, yeah, I watched. That's I did watch Nightmare Before Christmas and Black Xmas. Yeah, I didn't get around to Black Xmas this year. I did watch Black Christmas this year. Um, I watched like The Grinch and mm. I watched both The Christmas Prince and Christmas Inheritance oh, on Netflix. Yeah, with the like. Now now the trend, instead of CW stars like going into horror movies, they're just making Netflix Christmas movies, apparently. It stars um, Rose McIver. One of them stars Rose McIver from iZombie. And the other one stars, I don't know her name, uh, but she plays Clark in The 100. <laughs> yeah, never watched that show. So oh, I know. like that show. A little sci-fi show. But anywho, not much. The only horror I did think I watched, um, I watched It Comes at Night. Um and I did really enjoy it. Uh, I watched it like two nights ago, and it's really depress. It's depressing and bleak, mm. and you watch it, and it's not one of those movies that like. It's just showing you a snippet of a very dark world, and that's it. And that's all it's trying to do. There's no real message behind it. There's no. Um, it's not like your typical storyline where you have this. It's just like, hey, these this is some like terrible thing happened. Like this plague has come upon these people, and this is what they have. This particular family is going through, and then it just ends. Sometimes that's not for everybody. Uh, built, I mean, great slow burn. Built a lot of dread and um, really great score and some really powerful scenes and. All the actors in it just made you really distrustworthy of every single one of them. A lot of the times for no reason. You just felt uncomfortable by them. So that one was really good. It's pretty much my only entry for, for the week. But, was, yeah. It That's, was nice to kind of, like, take a break from, like... Sometimes you have to. Especially, yeah. I think, during the holidays. It's nice to spend yeah. time with family. and. I mean, I watch a lot of, like what I call like throwaway TV where I just like throw it on and don't really pay attention. Yeah, I think that's on at all but, times pretty yeah. much. Um, cool. Well, we're going to dive right into Terror Train, which, uh, as I said earlier, is our movie this week. It came out in 1980. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, I mean, the synopsis is, a mass killer targets six college kids responsible for a prank gone wrong three years earlier and who are currently throwing a large New Year's Eve costume party aboard a moving train. You wouldn't know it's New Year's Eve. There's no countdown. There's no kiss. Like, all the kind of classic signs of a New Year's Eve party don't exist. And even, like, because a lot of times on New Year's Eve you have, like, even if it's a costume party, it's usually, like, a masquerade. People are dressing fancier. Usually a masquerade. Yeah. yeah. It's a typical this New Year's Eve. This is a costume, like, like, full on. Like, people are dressed in, like, snake costumes and dresses, like, and like, hooded, like, just as, like, Monks, Monks? Yeah. yeah, and just uh, just very random stuff, and like uh, a lot of girls are just dressed as like scantily clad women. I I, I guess I don't know what their exact yeah, costume is. One girl in a costume, and it's just like a pair of trousers that like oh yeah go, go to like the top of her nipples, so yeah. it covers her nipples, and then she has like suspenders as like they were her like straps. Yeah, it's very interesting. Maybe that was a thing, <clears throat> and we don't get the reference. If you know what that reference is, holler at us. Yeah, if there <laughs> but... was some weird thing about pants, like <laughs> yeah. walking pants, I don't know. Um, but yeah, you wouldn't know it's New Year's Eve. Uh, uh, 
Yeah. But it is. It so is. Happy it's, New Year's it Eve. It mentions it like <laughs> yeah. maybe at the beginning of the movie. And yeah, then like also it's scene. mentioned heavily in the trailer. Oh, um, yeah. They want you. We watch the trailer on the the Screen Factory. It's Screen Factory, right? Yeah, it's a Screen Factory yeah. release that we So we watched. got the Blu-ray release and we were watching the special features and you watch the trailer and it's like, New Year's Eve. Yeah. New Year's Eve for... Sigma-fi. All, yeah, yeah. all aboard the terror train. Um, so the taglines for the movie has two, and most of the posters have both taglines on them. Um, and the taglines are, the boys and girls of Sigma-fi, some will live and some will die. And then the second one, which is fitting but generic, is all aboard if you dare. Of course, they're going to throw a train, like, uh, pun in there. I think the rhyming boys and girls of Sigma-fi is fine. I like it. Yeah, it's good. It's very collegiate. Yes. Um, yeah, it sounds like a chant, like yeah. a, a collegiate chant. Um, it's just weird because, one, you find out they're all pre-med. Yeah. Um, it's not like they're sport into sports or anything. They're just all pre-med students. But they're all pre-med like in this and fraternity. And the worst pre-med med yeah. students, too, because they can't heal anyone. They don't know anything that's ever wrong with these people. Um, but, yeah, they're all basically in, like, one sorority or one fraternity. Um, and... It's the it's fine. I don't think it's anything to like write home about. The post the original poster is pretty simple. Um, we just have our killer. It's it's pretty iconic. Um, he's wearing a Groucho Marx mask, um, and he's wearing a conductor. He's like in a suit when he's wearing the conductor hat from a train, holding up a knife, um, and that's the original cover for the movie, uh, which is fine. And it's illustrated, which mm-hmm. is as per usual in the eighties. I think it's solid. It does what it needs to do. It definitely is like your standard slasher poster from the 80s. Yeah. I mean, it does, from like a design aspect, it does a really good job of using like it's a negative space. Like you see, if you pull it up, you'll see that it's just like the character and everything else is blacked out behind him. So he's the focal point, which is really nice. Um, And then the knife like leads you down to the text at the bottom, which is like the title, which is really generically typeset um and like small caps but isn't the like the font when the movie actually plays (laughs) it's just helvetica like when it comes up like the train the opening title sequence which weirdly enough like as we've been watching these movies i've noticed that the only one that we've got like a real like a really good opening title sequence was most likely to die you have that hole where you get the credits and you get the names and then you sort of get your backstory of the killer, like, building his mask. Like, I that's a later trend in titles. So, yeah. you know, maybe that's going to come across some more. But I was thinking that when we were watching this one and the train just opens up into, like, this tunnel. The, t- the in- like, title s- sequence is good. It's, like, ominous and it, like... Yeah, but then the it's just, like, really flashes, good, but like, like yeah, the- Terror Train in red set in Helvetica, and then it just, like, fades away. And I was, like, I'm pretty sure when I had, like, a camcorder, like, a tape camcorder, that was, like, one of the settings that I could make actually in the camcorder. You can say, like, oh, here's the title. I used to do that. You need to pick, like, a standard color. Yep. And it'd, like, give your title over it when I used to make, like, videos. Yeah, that yep. sounds about right. It's pretty um, good. Probably what they did. Probably. I mean, they had didn't I well yeah. they had a decent sized budget, but yeah. um so that that's the original poster for it. It's had some posters since then. The ooh. The DVD covers, whew. It's bad. It's, I want to own the DVD just so I could have this on my shelf and show it to people and like, look, look at this. It looks so it's so much like all of the DVD covers. Whatever company released these did definitely had the same design for every movie. And like if you saw it, you'd recognize it. We'll have to tweet it out because it's got yeah. like Sort of like this orangey, like red hue over everything, and the title's got this like sunburst behind it, and yeah. Jamie Lee Curtis is looking all serious, and it's and, like Jamie Lee Curtis yeah. Terror Train, and it's like <laughs> surrounded in bold yellow, yeah. um, and like everything has an orange hue, and there's just like it's her face in the foreground, and then the murderer from the original poster, like that exact shot in the background, and then even farther in the background at the bottom of the poster is the train. It's bad. It's ugly. Uh, the Scream Factory one is easily the best. Yeah. I mean, go. they obviously take a lot of effort into um, these covers. I love it because the killer doesn't, in this film, doesn't just wear one mask. And so this one you get to see, like, some of the other masks and some of the other weapons he uses. You get, like, a great 
Jamie Lee Curtis scream on the front with the train. Uh, they've typeset it in copper plate on the cover, the type of terror trains in copper plate instead of Helvetica. So it's great. And they just use the all aboard if you dare tagline, but it's really beautiful. Yeah. And that, again, that's the one we picked up and yeah. we've said it before. We'll keep saying it for mm-hmm. everyone we watch on Screen Factory. Those guys are amazing. Everything like what they're doing is fantastic. There are, again, just like Silent Night, Deadly Night, there were some scenes in this that flash back to like um, the stuff they obviously couldn't restore. And just having in this one, it's it's much less. Yeah, but, it's barely anything. But having even that little frame of reference, you just realize like, whoa, this like this would be rough to watch if like this didn't happen, yeah. if this didn't exist. The biggest indicator is the trailer they put on the trailer yes, and the special features, yeah. and we watch that and we're like, this looks like garbage. Yeah, it's full like, blown like nineteen oh. eighties on shown on tv trailer yeah it's, it's rough to watch you forget how bad that vhs quality stuff was yeah. until you go back and actually watch it um there are no sequels thank goodness <laughs> doesn't I, set you up for any no and i uh, not easily yeah i i will get to it but i don't think the killer is captivating enough to warrant a sequel yeah if there was they would just have to use like the maybe the same plot line and just move on to something else yeah i mean as we know in the horror world, if they want a sequel, they'll figure out a way to make a sequel. But yeah. this one doesn't set you up mm-hmm. like for one easily and doesn't need to. Uh, John Mills Cockle does a score. Uh, it's suitable. It's nothing like uh, I don't think it's anything outstanding or like uh, doesn't really stand out. I didn't think there was anything. There's on the Screen Factory, there's a small interview with him too. Um, I thought it was one of the best parts of the movie. The prob- I think it's fine it's i mean i think it's really it hits where it needs to hit um and i think there's one scene in particular where the score was really solid and it's probably the best scene in the movie yeah um and actually i will say uh because there is weirdly a like a lot of magic in this movie um like real like david copperfield is in this movie and doing magic doing magic like i would say probably a solid 12 to 15 minutes scenes of him doing magic and i will say like Cockle does a good job at being able to bounce back and forth between the tone of the actual slasher movie and then the magic stuff. And then the band. They have a band playing, Oh, yeah, like, yeah. Crying. I forgot about the... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I think you're no, forgetting, yeah. like, how good the score was in this. And, it's like, very how good the, varied, yeah. The management mm-hmm. of the music was. You never... I think when you have, like, three kind of things going on, you have a band playing that's supposed to be a party scene, then you have a magician going on, and then you have this, like, you know, terror you're trying to emote with your music. You have those, it's really easy to be like, whoa, that came out of nowhere, like, certain sounds or that they could be playing. I think he did a really good job of managing it where it all seemed like it fit. I never went... I never got brought out from the movie because of the score and was like, what the hell is this song or whatever? Yeah, as goofy as it sounds, like, I think the score was appropriate to each car that they were in. Yeah. Um, because there is, like, a car where the magic's happening and there's a car where the party's happening and it's a live band. And then there's, like, there's kind of, like, the the sleeper cars are basically where all the murders are happening, uh, essentially. Um, so, yeah, I guess you're right, yeah. Sorry, John Mills Cockle, if you listen to the podcast, I um I understated you. So <laughs> and then my bad. I think it's important on this one to uh, note that the cinematographer was John Alcott, and I mean I was reading a little bit of trivia about how he it's got to be hard to shoot on a train. Mm-hmm. Um, you have no natural light you're working with, um, and I guess he wired the entire train so that he could control the lighting in each car with like soup touch of a button like extreme simplicity and he had these um like wands almost that he was giving the uh actors to help light their face oh, right, it's like right, a really right. dimly lit yeah because um, they scenario. filmed on an actual train yeah it was like um, a legit train in canada right so that can be a very dim like dim and claustrophobic yeah. area so yeah props to have, him for... yeah you can't have like huge lighting equipment in there and like when we were looking at it through the credits and it was like john alcott i'm like why the hell do i know that name and then i like looked it up and i was like oh my god he's like famous for working with kubrick so he worked on a clockwork orange and 2001 a space odyssey and the shining and he's like a very famed cinematographer um yeah which so. it makes sense that someone like that would be able to rig 
a train. To yeah, be no, exactly. Yeah. So it's just kind of cool when you see things like that and you notice it and you go like, oh, wow, this is like, you know, this film looks really good. And then you look it up and you're like, oh, it makes sense why. Yeah. Like you have somebody who is like a true professional, like a true um, innovator. It's always interesting. Like, I think, too, if you guys are not big, like, you know, you know, like you're just basic movie fans, like it's always cool when you start digging into like really deep stuff like that. Like when you start getting down into like editors and cinematographers, like you'll open this crazy doorway into like you realize like, whoa, like. I never realized how this movie and this movie that are totally not connected at all are connected. And then also, like, you can pick up similarities or you can be like, like, oh, this movie's not great, but it's shot really well. Oh, that makes sense. Look at the cinematographer. Yeah. So, like, there's cool cool things like that. Yeah. So if that's if we can pick up on stuff like that, and it will happen a lot because it happens a lot in the horror world. A lot of people get their start in horror mm-hmm. before they move on to more grandiose and, like, uh, widely, I guess, mass audience things. Yeah. Uh, it was a $3.5 million budget and uh, made $8 million, so it just barely broke. I don't know if you guys know the rule, but you basically have to double your budget to be profitable because usually your budget marketing. doesn't include your marketing and everything. So you have to double your budget before you're profitable. So it just barely was profitable. I think over time it's probably become more profitable with like home release because mm-hmm. it is like a cult classic. Um, like um syndication rates yeah yeah Yeah. exactly so it's probably become more successful that since then and i'm sure you know the success of jamie lee curtis's career has helped it um directed by roger spottiswood who went on to make like a whole bunch of like buddy cop movies yeah it was kind of like action comedy became his yes like specialty yeah because he did 48 hours with eddie murphy and nick nolte which is very famous turner and hooch um with tom hanks and that dog obviously um (laughs) yeah he did um uh, the Sixth Day with Arnold Schwarzenegger, which was like an action sci-fi comedy. So yeah, he went on to do a lot of like action comedy, um, which this is not. <laughs> and uh, not a lot of action, not a lot of comedy. No, I mean not <laughs> intentional comedy at least. Uh, T.Y. Drake wrote it, and this guy like did not do much. He wrote some TV before and after. Uh, his biggest credits were a couple episodes of the Black Stallion TV show and oh. MacGyver, which was huge in the eighties. Um, but this, it looked like it was his only film credit. Uh, I can understand why. Uh, moving on to the cast, it's interesting because, especially knowing as horror fans how big Jamie Lee Curtis is in the horror world and how big she is as an actress in general now, she is not credited first in this movie. Ben Johnson is. Yes, it is Ben Johnson, who is an older actor. Um, he was in The Last Picture Show, The Wild Bunch, Red Dawn. He's very widely known for his westerns. Mm-hmm. Um he was in a lot of westerns, like John Wayne era westerns. Um, he plays a train conductor. It's pretty interesting. Like the he gets a lot of screen time, um, even he though he doesn't do very much. So I was reading some trivia about it, and I guess he so Ben Johnson agreed to be in the movie uh, without ever seeing the script. He just liked Roger and like I guess some of the writing stuff that he had done. And so he agreed to be the, in the movie before he even saw the script for Terror Train. And then I guess um, I'll try and pull up, like, the exact, like, trivia quote. But he made some comment, like, don't give me a lot of dialogue. Oh, like, I did see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So he, he wanted for it. He was trying to act like someone else in another movie. Yeah. Who also didn't have a lot of dialogue. I do remember that. Yeah, so he's on screen a lot. He's usually, like distressed because he's mostly finding all of these people that are dying and then having to like um tell the other train conductor and also like trying to hide it from the kids and he's trying to like keep things safe on the train and like there's also this whole weird kind of like it's not a subplot but it's brought up as like the train industry's dying and like that's brought up a couple times but i would say like for the first half of the movie he shows up a lot and has nothing to do with the central plot of the movie. No, it's just sort of like you almost want to know more about him because he is like a very the way he's playing this character is very interesting and you kind of like the comments that he makes like mm-hmm. about the train industry and stuff like that and like he has this like rapport with this like woman in the office before they even get on the train and you're uh-huh. just kind of like 
oh man, like we're gonna get to know this guy. Like this guy is gonna like be one of our heroes in this film. And and you do like I feel like out of any of the characters, I felt like the most invested in him, uh-huh. even though we really don't know that much about him. So here's here's like the trivia that's like listed. It says reportedly veteran actor Ben Johnson asked director Roger to give his character Karn less dialogue rather than more. Spottiswood once said that Johnson said to him, Now, Roger, I'm sure you've told this before, but on my first day working with John Ford, he took me aside and said, Ben, when you're in front of the camera, you're not going to need too many words. You just won't need them. They can get in the way. So, Roger, you go through and take out all the extra dialogue you can. So, Ben Johnson was going after taking advice from Ford and then telling it to Roger. Right. And then Roger took it. And it's gave funny him too, less though, dialogue. It's just funny because, like, that is something, obviously, that, like, a veteran actor tells the director. For this movie, it's so odd. Yeah. It's like, oh, I'm going to pick this, like, horror slasher to do that in. I mean, and it works because he ends up being, like, the most commanding character on yeah, screen. Yeah, for sure. Um, but, yeah, it was pretty interesting. And, like, I under – when we first watched it, too, I was like, who the hell is Ben Johnson? Why is he listed before, before Jamie, Jamie Lee, Lee Curtis? Curtis. Um, and then I understood why. Uh, especially at the time, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis only had Halloween, which was definitely successful. But when you have a guy who's in, you know, uh, Peck and Paws, like The Wild Bunch and Last Picture Show, like these very, very critically acclaimed movies, um, like I get it. Uh, obviously, Jamie Lee Curtis is in it, who we all know from, I mean, being pretty much the most famous stream queen, queen alive. Ever. Yeah, ever. Um, <laughs> Hart Bachner plays Doc, who is the most obnoxious asshole I've ever seen in a movie. And he went on to be in Supergirl and Die Hard and Batman, Mask of the Phantasm. So he did some voice acting as well. Uh, obviously, David Copperfield is in it, the Who magician. Is he in Die Hard? No idea. Oh. Um, I've never seen Die Hard, the first one. What? No. I've seen all of them but the first one. No, you're fucking with me. No, I'm serious. I've seen clips. I've seen like a bunch of clips. I've never seen the first one. I was going to watch it last night and I fell asleep. Um, like literally it popped up on my like Amazon, like stream on Amazon. How have I seen Die Hard mm, and you haven't? I don't know. I've seen like all the, all the famous clips, you know, like now I have a machine gun. Ho, ho, ho. Like all that crap, but I've never seen the movie. Um, I will see it. I've, and I've seen all the ones after it, which is awful because I know the first one's the best. Um, it's really good. Yeah, it's I, like be- I believe it is. Like, I know it will be in like the upper echelon of yeah. action movies for me. I just never got around to all it. Right, I don't know. Um, David Copperfield, the magician, has a huge role. He never has a name. No, he does. So I guess they call him Kenny on accident. Right. In like one scene. Well, they call him Kenny because they think he is the killer who they think is Kenny, who is Kenny. Oh, is that why they that, do that it? That is, yeah, because like... They, because, like, Jamie Lee Curtis's killer is like, it's Kenny, it's Kenny, he's he's a magician. Like, basically, she's implying that Kenny came back, because he was, you find out, like, very haphazardly that Kenny was into magic. And so she thinks he's a magician. Um, but that's why. Um, so, yeah, the magician is what he's credited as in yes, the credits. And he's called Kenny once. Um, yeah. By Ben Johnson's character, actually. And then Derek McKinnon plays Kenny, who, spoilers, is our killer. Um... He is a interesting looking fellow. Um, he's very, um, ugh, how do you put this? Uh, Fish like. <laughs> um, I'm. This is him toned back. Yeah. I've been yelling at him since we watched the movie to behave. Um, I want to say he's androgynous. Like he has some very like feminine characteristics, but also not. Like, he's kind of like if Steve Buscemi had normal eyes. Um, that's kind of what he looks like. He's a he's a he's he's an interesting looking fellow. Uh, let's just put it that way. Uh, you'll have to check it out. Um, he, like, really big lips. <laughs> he just can't get over. Ryan, just his biggest hold up on him or hang up on him is that he thinks his mouth looks like it belongs on a fish. Yeah, he really does. But anywho. Uh, it's definitely a teen scream. Yeah. Although before we started, B was like, how do we classify this train, train horror? And I was like, well, I don't think that's a genre. Although I kind of wish it was. I need it to be a genre. Yeah. Also, I'm not going to lie. I really wanted the train to be the killer. Yeah. Especially. Like, I'm like pretty bummed that the train has nothing to do with killings. If you look at the British 
yeah. DVD, DVD cover for the movie, it's just a train with a skull as the front yeah. of the train. So it definitely looks like the train is the killer. If that movie exists, I'm going to find it and I'm going to watch it. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to love it. I'm sure somewhere in the 80s they made a movie about a train killing A killer people. train. It I just, I mean, it makes sense you could throw them, like, especially in this one, there's, like, a whole coal-like oh, thing. there's so, I'm, I've got it. If it doesn't exist, I'm making it. We're making it. Yeah, Ryan and, we'll, and I. We'll make it on this train. <laughs> yeah. Uh, his iconic weapon is probably a sword. He yeah. uses that more than anything. He uses a knife. Um, <clears throat> I dropped my phone. Um, he uses a knife as well, but the sword he ends up using three times, which I think is more than he uses anything else. Yeah, and I guess it's trying to be their tie-in with magic. So, and okay, this is the weird part. Magic was, like, not a big part of the movie before. I really want to know what the script was before they yeah. inserted it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the, the, like, the producer was friends with David Copperfield and was, like, really into what he was doing at the time. Because this is, like, right when he was blowing up. It's, mm-hmm. it's before he was, like, ultra famous. Which is why he's probably playing a magician and not David Copperfield. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And so the producer, like, really shoehorned him into the movie and this whole subplot with all this magic. There was no magic. Yeah. There, so, that was not so a plot point. Exactly. And, and, like, it's weird because, and we'll dive into this more, but Kenny is masquerading as the magician's assistant. And that's how he, like, gets on the train and he's moving around. So I'm very interested to know, like, what the script was before that. Because without all the magic... And the magic is, like, 15 to 20 minutes of stuff in the movie, too. So I just want to know what the script looked like before that. Because it's a pretty central part of the movie. Um, Kenny. So, yeah, we kind of look at the killer. Um... I love your note here. I did not see you wrote this. Tormented by sheets. Uh, so the movie starts with the frat and sorority house partying, and it's three years prior to New Year's of their graduation. So they're like freshman, sophomore, whatever. Um, and they're playing a prank on this kid, Kenny, who no one likes, and they're basically making him think that he's going to sleep with Jamie Lee Curtis's character. Yeah, like it's a done deal. Yeah, like they're like, she's waiting for you in the bedroom. And he goes up there, and he undresses to his skeletal hole. <laughs> pasty frame and he's wearing tidy whities which is a crime no, against but humanity they like yellow yeah oh no yeah they're yellow tidy whities and then he gets in bed and jamie lee curtis is like hiding behind the sheet but there is because something. what's in bed is a fucking corpse it's a corpse since they're all pre-med students they went into the morgue and they stole a corpse and so but this scene is just so he like goes to kiss her and then he realizes it's a corpse and then like all the frat boys rush in and they're like, ha ha, Kenny's a nerd and they're like laughing at him and he stands up and there's like, it's a canopy bed. It's a canopy bed and he stands up and he just starts spinning around in circles and he gets wrapped up in the sheets and he's just like spinning around and spinning around and it free like slow-mo and then freeze frames on him wrapped up in sheets and I was like, oh. So like, is he? Is, did he die? Like, did, like, did he hang himself on accident, or you know, like, is, like, did he die somehow? Did he suffocate? Nope. He just went to the hospital. Yeah, we all for which we unexplained don't find accidents. Out yeah, until we way find, later. Way later, we find out he there was an accident. They we thought he was dead. We're oh, like, totally. oh, he like strangled himself or something. They definitely make you think he's dead, or they no, they just don't tell you. And yeah, then, so we made that assumption, like, well, he died. And it's easy to make that assumption because you're like, okay, well, obviously, if you watch horror movies, you know that that guy's going to be the killer or someone who knows him who's upset. That's about what him I was thinking. It was going to be, yeah, it's, it's going to be, be the like killer, the parent. Or... But nope, Kenny just had an accident, and they never say what it was. I don't know what it could be because he looked fine. He was strapped up in a sheet. No, I'm t- telling you. Death or hospitalization from being tormented by sheets. He, like, went into, like, a crazy, like, nervous breakdown, and now he's terrified of... Is there a fear of blankets? The sheets that... What is it called? Like, the curtains that come down from... From a canopy bed. Just so you guys know, I looked up fear of blankets, and the first thing that popped up for some reason was fear of anal porn. (laughs) Right! (laughs) Sorry. Um, Gross! (laughs) I'm just saying... I'm not going to tell you what it is, but for some reason, that's what Google gave me when I looked up Fear of Blankets. Do people have anal sex, like, are afraid of blankets or something? Maybe. Wow, this got real dark, real sexual. We need to make sure the show is explicitly rated. Um, 
So, yeah, Kenny is tormented by sheets, I guess. and Yeah, and hospitalized for it. So he's a pretty uninteresting killer. The best part about him is he, for most of the movie, is taking the costume of his last victim. It's a, so cool. Which is awesome, and I wish they utilized it more. Um, and I wish they'd been more like thoughtful with it, too, because once they get to the third person he kills, there's no mask <sighs> for that person. So he kind of... Like takes he starts like hodgepodging together other like so he kills Midgey who's Jamie Lee Curtis's best friend and she doesn't really have a costume but at one point in the movie she was wearing this like weird old man mask oh yeah and then he kills Doc who is wearing like a monk's robe so he like mixes those two costumes yeah um so I wish they'd been a little more thoughtful with, with it because the first two are the train conductor with the Groucho Ma- uh, Marx mask which is awesome and then like this really sweet full body snake suit which they just don't make costumes like that no, anymore. we were just commenting we're like well that's a, it's like yeah a lizard or a snake or something it was so cool and you just look at it and you're like that's like a legit costume that's like you can't buy that at a costume store that's like that cosplay shit that you gotta like yeah and it, pay and a lot of money it had for. like gloves and a little tail and everything um so that was definitely really cool so the theme is cool i just wish it was used more because um, we ultimately only see like three costumes I guess he doesn't kill a lot of people, though. Yeah. Um, his uh, his backstory, his motive, no. It's bad. It like, barely Like, this exists. is probably the laziest building of a killer that we've had so far in the movies we've dissected. He, like Ryan said earlier, there's this really weird because, probably because they added the magic story in later, mm-hmm. to get him to be able to be... The magician's assistant, he obviously has to have some interest in magic. And they're just like, oh, yeah, I remember Kenny was into magic. Yeah, they're, like, looking through their yearbook. Like, I think they're, like, nostalgia looking through yearbook. And they're like, because someone asked, like, oh, who's that? And they're like, that's Kenny. And then it's, like, a whole spread on Kenny. Because, like, each person from the school has, like, a page to themselves. B dropped her phone now. Um, Damn these good mics. And, uh... (laughs) And his page has, like, all, like, you know, these little subtle magic thing. Like, you know, I think it's got, like, cards and a top hat and a wand and stuff on it to, like, imply, like, Kenny was into magic. Um, which, like, later leads Jamie Lee Curtis to be like, of course, he's been on the train the whole time. He's the magician. Which is, like, their biggest, like, biggest red herring. They're like, it's David Copperfield. It's yeah. The magician. They it's the magician. They try very hard it's to, the magician. to make you think it's him. Um, and also, it drove me crazy because they, like... 50 minutes into the movie, Jamie Lee Curtis is like, no, I felt bad, and I went to visit him at the hospital, and I found out that he's tried to, he either has killed someone, or tried to kill someone before. It's pretty unclear. She's not super, like, like Yeah, it was hard to understand if she meant why he, once he got to the hospital, he killed somebody, or when he was in the hospital, it was revealed he had already killed somebody. Yeah, I think he, I think he had already killed someone before, Yeah, but it was, like, like the circumstance wasn't, like... Kind of accidental. Yeah, it was, like, accidental, but, like, it hints at him having sociopathic behaviors, but it's like like it's literally like two minutes. Like if yeah. you left the room, you would never even know what the backstory on this yeah. guy was. Um, so yeah, B's right. It's super lazy. Like just kind of, <laughs> I, I would have rather not known anything. Yeah. Like the prank and him coming back is enough. Like yeah. we didn't need to know that she went to the hospital and found him, and like he tried to kill someone or did kill someone. Whatever happened. Yeah, all of that like didn't matter. The motive. I mean, sure they made him think they played a prank on him, a really fucked up prank where he like had to see. I mean, I guess he was pre med too, but like a corpse thinking he was gonna kiss it and like have sex with it. Pretty disturbing. Yeah. Um. I mean, sure. It's it's an okay motive. It's a very eighties motive. Yeah. Like they were mean to me. Yeah. Like nowadays, like I definitely think you'd need like. They murdered me. Yeah. Or they Well, they thought they murdered me. Like, the whole, like, they made me kiss a dead body, like, is not enough to murder seven people, I don't think. Uh, but, I mean, I, I don't know. Uh, yeah, and the body count, if he did actually kill someone in the hospital, I think the body count is, what, 11? No, it's 10. 10, and then, he... and then he dies at the end. Yeah, um, Yeah, so 10, so 7 on camera, 3 off camera. Um, I think another one is off camera. I don't think we ever know that one of these people's dead. 
Yeah, they were the, just presuming they're dead. They're like missing. They can't find him. Yeah, it's the, one of the, the train... train driver and the coal shoveler yeah. are both kind of. I think one of them's dead in the cabin, and the other one's missing. Yeah, like I don't know where he is. So, um, the first kill is like uh, they're like they have a friend who's dressed as Groucho Marx. He's like the the class clown of the group, um, and he's killed actually before they even get on the train. Uh, they <laughs> and like classic Scream Two fashion almost. Yeah. Like he is walking around. <laughs> With a sword through his stomach, and they're like, "You jokester! Oh, that's that's yeah. a good one." Yeah. Oh, come on, buddy. That's so cool. Where'd you get that sword? Yeah. They're like, "Wow, you're really doing it!" And then he like falls over and dies, and he's run over by the train. Yeah. Um, there's our, there's my train kill. Yeah, you get yeah. one train kill. Um, good job, train. The next one is the boy dresses a lizard. I did not get his name, uh, but he it's like confined into and like the more i think about this and the fact that it was filmed on an actual train i'm just amazed by like the production side of this film they filmed this kill in like a bathroom like cubicle oh not yeah a cubicle what yeah. are they called Clum, something with a z clavicle you know clavicle a cl- i don't think it's clavicle <laughs> a clavicle is like your collarbone body. yeah um <laughs> but they smash his head into a mirror yeah. and then he's uh left for dead there um midgey is next and she has a very basic throat slit but leading like the big thing is she thinks she's about to have sex with the lizard man and kenny has cut his hand off so when she's like yeah he keeps doing that yeah she's like laying there and all like getting naked and he's using the guy's hand to like feel her up and then she realizes black right yeah the guy's black um the guy that he murdered is black so he's using kenny's not black so he's pasty white i think maybe that would be part of the giveaway uh, and then he slits her throat off screen, actually, I think. Yeah. Um, we just see her with a slit throat later. Yeah, it just shows, like, the after gore. Um, Mo, who is Jamie Lee Curtis's boyfriend character, is the laziest kill of the movie. He's literally sitting there next to Doc, and they're, like... Watching the magic show. Yeah, they're, like, haranguing the magician. And oh, yeah, not watching. Like, uh, yeah, abusing. For, there's a huge point in this movie, for some reason, where Doc is just adamant that, like, this is fake magic stupid like for no reason in particular just to be an asshole because doc is a total ass this guy doc literally like he's the one who led the prank he tries to get um mo to cheat on jamie lee curtis he cheats on his girlfriend numerous times in the movie uh he also tries to not get his not just have his friend cheat on jamie lee curtis but then he tries to make it so jamie lee curtis catches him cheating um total asshole but yeah, Mo is killed. Like literally, they're sitting there, and it shows like Doc harassing the magician, and then it goes to the magician, and then it cuts back, and Mo is just dead. <laughs> He's just like we re- we rewound the movie. Yeah, we did because we're like, oh, what did we miss? Like we missed. What happened? It? What did we miss? And there, and then I was like, well, maybe like we'll see someone walk by, and like he's like you know he's talking, and then like his head's down or something. Uh, nope, he's just. I mean, the assistant is back there in one of the scenes. You see her standing next to him. But you don't see anything happening. Yeah, and then then Doc, Doc is just like Mo, Mo, and he like takes him, and he's like bleeding in the chest. Yeah, and again, these pre med pre med. Why is that a plot point? Oh, it shouldn't be. It, I, should I think not it was be... literally so they could to explain the corpse. The corpse. Yep. So they used that to explain how they got a hold of the corpse because they have you know a dead body. Yep. Access to it. Mm-hmm, pretty much. But then it hinders the rest of the movie because it's like well why don't you know yeah no one can about like bodies like you're and just they literally, running around panicking they can't even stop his bleeding because no. he just has a chest wound yeah but they can't stop his bleeding and there's What's wrong with there's him? like three pre-med students all around him freaking out no one can f- stop his bleeding and like we're not talking like pre-med like it's your first year like these are they're, no, they're graduating. graduating yeah they're graduating and going to med school like, you should probably know, and I'm not saying you should be able to perform fucking open heart surgery. Like, I'm not, and I'm sure this is a, I know a lot of people go to pre-med school and then become lawyers. It's not like you know everything. But You should be able to stop bleeding. You should be able to, like, know, I, I know, like, compression. Yeah, they don't Wrap even do up. that. They yeah. don't do anything. Mm-hmm. No. And, you know, it's, I it, have my degree in graphic it design. It really is just a plot point for the body. Yeah. Um, the train driver and coal shoveler are implied dead. Uh, Doc is the next day. And he is killed, um, he's, we see a razor across the the throat, but later we see his head roll out of, uh, overhead compartment, so he's decapitated. 
Um, one of the train attendants comes stumbling down the hallway with a sword through his chest. He's the next one that also happens off screen. Uh, David Copperfield is found in his, um, if you're a fan of magic, you'll know that most magicians carry like a chest full of like their props and stuff. And they also use it in their show very often. Like they'll often put like their assistant in it or put themselves in it. And one of the like old tricks that was really popular was putting yourself in a box and having people stab swords through it. Um, so he's found in his magic box with a bunch of swords stabbed through him. And then the final kill is, um, Ben Johnson's character, the train conductor hits Kenny with a shovel who falls out of the train and into the river below, like a frozen river, pretty much. Um, this movie is, those are all of our kills. We have a pretty good kill count, but Ryan and I kept looking at each other while we were watching this and we're like, God, this doesn't feel like a slasher. So it's weirdly rated R. I think it's because we mostly get boobs um oh yeah we did get some yeah some boobs in this one there's hardly gore hardly like i mean i'm there's talking blood there's very little blood um i don't know what the guidelines were in 1980 as far as like blood goes there's a lot of like you're not gonna see the kill then we're gonna show you the body with like smeared blood that looks really fake on mm. the body like mm. that's what we got with the lizard that's what we got with midgy where it's like midgy's throat was bad. Yeah. Like, like, her throat slash was bad. The They needed, like, Ed French. <laughs> like, they needed a good special effects person. Like, mm-hmm. this is... It would have, like, really amped up this film because, holy smokes, um, it's bad. Yeah, the decapitated head is... Oh. It's bad. Um, it needed to not be in the movie. Yeah, like, it would have been more effective if we'd mm-hmm. seen the head roll. But, like, the focus on it, it's like, I don't know why they do that. Like, just cut away. We see the head roll. We know what it is. You don't need yeah. to show us the head to... Unless you're really good at it, and that's your specialty as a special effects makeup person, show us the head. If not, nope. Yeah, I think it's one of the hardest things to do, really, because yeah. it's such a strange thing to have. Um, but, yeah, it's just... You're right. There's 11, I mean, there's 11 kills, but only seven on screen. And the ones on screen are, are very basic. There's Head smash into mirror. Yeah, there's no creativity behind the kills, which is one of my favorite things about slasher movies is usually the creativity. It's like, it's one of the reasons I I like the Friday the 13th movies as much as I do. Like, they're not even my favorite, but at least Jason always tends to kill people in very interesting ways. Yeah. Um, and this is just not, like, the theme of the killer is cool. Um, but I don't love the backstory and the kills, like the sword is a cool weapon. And I like the magic tie-in. The magic tie-in's cool. And like, it makes he, sense why he would have a sword. Right. And it does some cool, like it does some neat stuff with it. Like you don't I see that often. I wish we had seen David Copperfield's kill because the aftermath of that kill is probably my favorite. Yeah. It'd be so cool if we just saw him like, but they, the thing is, is that they couldn't because they wanted us to think David Copperfield yeah, exactly. was the killer. Mm-hmm. But we didn't necessarily have to know it was him in the box. We could have just seen Kenny stabbing the box with swords. And blood leak out. And blood leak like, out. Like, that's a total 80s thing. And then later, we realized who was in the box. Well, it was the magician. It's not him. He's not the killer. Yeah. So, it, and it is ultimately revealed that the magician's assistant who's been there the whole time is Kenny in drag and is the killer. And then he, you know, he hunts down Jamie Lee Curtis and he... He almost kills her, but he forces her to kiss him, and kissing him makes him have a traumatic flashback to the night of the sheets. Yeah. And he, like, freaks the F out enough. Sheet trauma. Yeah, he has sheet trauma, and he freaks out enough for Ben Johnson's character to show up and boot him off the train. Um, That's it. That's how our killer was, It's like, brought down. It's a very subdued slasher movie. Like, watching it, it's... Um, I mean, it's not super long, but watching it, it feels longer than it is because there's so much in the middle that isn't happening. And honestly, like, the magic was the best part to me. I, I definitely am hardcore shipping Jamie Lee Curtis and the magician to hook up because yeah. there's there's chemistry there. Yeah, and David Copperfield's cute, and her mo is, like, real dorky looking. Oh, yeah. Jamie Lee Curtis is, like, a babe in this film, and... She she could get with David Copperfield. She Not only that, but the, like the magician was outside of Ben Johnson, like the most interesting character. Yeah, and like, even even and... more than Jamie Lee Curtis. Like, yeah, she was really stale in this film. She, she wasn't great, and her character is not super like captivating either because there's she she doesn't actually build. She is the final girl. She doesn't really build to any final girl status. I mean, she is smart at the end of the movie. 
Like, she locks herself yeah, in that cage and she stuff. she makes good decisions. But, like, she's not super scrappy, I guess. I mean, she is, she is, but, like, the, like she spends a lot of the movie, like, whining. Like, a, like the... Here's the issue, is that we have so much happening in between kills, but we don't care. Yep. It's like, they built this really cool atmosphere, a bunch of people stuck on this train. This is really cool, like... It's New Year's Eve. They're all about to graduate. Like, there's some, like, relationship drama going on. Like, we should be really interested by their lives. Mm -hmm. Like, if they were to have painted these characters a little bit differently where we genuinely care about their social lives, which is why Ryan and I love Teen Screams, because Mm -hmm. we like the aspect of their lives just as much as we like the aspect of the horror film. Mm -hmm. But you don't care. Like, if, if, if you took out the killing... This is a solid, like, enough of the movie is just about the characters and the teenagers, or young 20-somethings, doesn't matter. It's enough about them that we should care about their lives, we should know about their lives and their relationship enough to be like, oh yeah, like, this is their dynamic, and I I care that, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis is going off to college, and I care that, or going off to a school with scholarship, and yeah, I care that it, her best friend and her are separating, and they're having a hard time with that. But it's weird, because it, like, creates, it introduces all those plots, but creates no emotional stakes. Like, no. like, she freaks out when her best friend dies. They've spent maybe two minutes together on the screen. Yeah. Like, Jamie Lee Curtis actually doesn't spend a lot of time with anyone, yeah. even Mo, her boyfriend. Like, she spends as as much time with the magician as she does with Mo yeah. or with Doc. She spends the least amount of time with her best friend who it's is a lot of off. her like wandering around the train. Yeah, it's a lot of all of them wandering yeah. around the train and also wandering around the train not getting killed. It's a lot of like just people walking around a train, like Doc being an asshole, Mo almost cheating. But what's weird is like the whole Mo almost cheating thing, there's so many scenes of him almost cheating with no Jamie Lee Curtis doesn't catch him. Like, um, like for most of the movie, and then he just dies off screen. It's not like he's killed while he's cheating, or killed like right after cheating, he or killed after away. dying. Yeah, he yeah. runs away because he feels he bad, gets, yeah. and he and he dies off screen. And so it's really, it's really weird. There's just like a lot of buildup to no payoff in every aspect, not just the kills, but also like the emotional, like yeah, like there's and this the relationships whole... they're trying to build. There's no payoff to any of them. Yeah, like Jamie Lee Curtis with Minji, there's this whole conversation about how she's there on a scholarship and like, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it's never explored. There's no like theme of like, because it would make sense if like, you know, that's the theme is her like having to constantly overcome these things. But like she barely even overcomes the killer. like yeah. and, and like he, he's only after her for like maybe 10 minutes of the movie. Like it's never like, it's not like he's hunting her down the whole movie. He's no, just like, he's not after he's her. Just, he's, he's after just, them as yeah, a group. Exactly. I don't know. It just, it, it's hard to pinpoint like what didn't work. I think like after like we watched it and I think Ryan and I were surprised that we didn't really connect with it mm-hmm. for various reasons. And then like we've sat on it for like a week and a half now. Mm-hmm. And it really, what I keep going back to is like, I liked the story of like them being on the train. I liked I just, the idea. I liked the idea of it and I liked what they set up. And I keep when I think about the movie, I think about I think about the magic. Yep. Like those were I the literally most, just keep thinking about David. Those were the most interesting parts of the most interesting and dynamic part of the film was like the quarter with like the cigarette. Like the score was really good during that point. Um, the chemistry between Jamie Lee Curtis and David Copperfield, like their flirting kind of yes, like that was yeah, happening. Yeah. Um, even like the characters in the background, like the film felt like the most alive at yeah. that point. The rest, yeah. it just was so subdued and like... It was just like so like um, just blank space. Like yeah. just nothing like, happening, which is weird. Like, especially in a movie where it can feel so claustrophobic and they do a great job. There's one scene where Doc is locked himself in a train car and he starts to realize there's all these places in the train car where the killer could be hiding and he's like kind of losing it and he's like lashing out. Like he takes like a poker, like a, like basically like a, like it, a fire. It right? looks like yeah. a fire poker and he's like stabbing in all these places and and it does a really really good job of building tension and like there's a great scene where he's sitting down and he looks across at under the seat 
and he realizes like oh that's one place i haven't looked he could be under the seat and he gets up to go and then a hand reaches out from under his seat and grabs him that scene was probably the best scene in the movie it's fantastic um but it, i wish they could have like done that for every kill because the other kills are so just like they feel rushed and hurried and like there's no there's just no like you don't even really care about the character no, while the, it's happening. There's and, no emotional connection to this film in general. Like, you don't ever feel... I'm not rooting for the killer, and I'm not, like, rooting for the survivors. Like, I'm the just only one I wanted it. to die was Doc, and yeah. then he dies off screen. But he does have the best scene in the movie, I would say. Like, he him does. and David Copperfield. But he has yeah. the best kill scene. Um, but the best... I don't... And so we... Every, every film, we pick our favorite kill. Um... <laughs> I don't think I have one. So many, so many happen off screen, like the sword through the Groucho Marx character off screen, the sword through David or David Copperfield's character off screen. Um, Doc is technically murdered on screen, but it's a very basic. It, you don't even see the full slit of the throat. It like starts and cuts, um, like cuts to another scene, and then later we find him decapitated. Which the decapitation roll is one of my least favorite scenes in the movie. I think my favorite kill, even though it's Austrian, has to be the magic box. I just think I think it's the most creative kill in the movie, um, and I think it was like a good, um, like because it does lead you to believe like the red herring is it's the magician. So I think it's a good kind of like gotcha moment. But I don't like there was no on screen kill that happened where I was like, ooh, that was cool. Like that never happened for me. My favorite kill is. My favorite kill is Kenny getting hit with a shovel into the river. <laughs> and ending this And movie. ending the movie. No, genuinely, this is why I'm going to say it's my favorite kill because Ryan's right. All these kills suck. Mm. They're boring. Like, they're so boring. I like this kill because I feel like we've, we were, I always wanted the conductor to be the hero mm-hmm. and he's the hero. Yeah. This enables him to be the hero and that's my favorite. Besides the magic, this is that's my favorite plot point of the film is the conductor and like the smidge of his life that we got. Mm-hmm. And so him getting the validation of killing Kenny and yes, ending this movie, but also like him getting to rise to be the hero when he's like, that's the character I felt the most connected to because he's like, he's only he's saying how he's only like doing this on the weekends. Like mm-hmm. he works like something about like the bus system yeah Yeah. oh yeah he sells like rvs yeah and like he just loves the like train and like a lot of people are like train enthusiasts and like you really you do genuinely feel that from his character so he's the only character you connect with other than the magician yeah like and the magician you don't connect with out of like backstory you connect because david copperfield actually has some good on screen like he's just good um he's charismatic yeah he is like He's, like, complaining about being heckled and the fact that, like, why are we doing this, like, fraternity, like, magic show on a train? Like, he's, like, questioning doing that because, you know, of course his assistant is the one who set it up. Right. So him, like, uh, that kill allowing him to be the hero as he spent the whole movie, like, running around thinking he's, like, this crazy old man, like, imagining kills. Like, that's, I, when that happened, I'm like, no, people are going to, like think that he's crazy and not believe him that there's a murderer on the train and any scene with him I really enjoyed and I felt like like that's what I wanted to see so him getting that satisfaction of being the hero best kill in the movie yep I can I can dig that no um this movie does not have a great critical reception it's like 38% on Rotten Tomatoes but it's very well received in the horror community it's kind of considered like a slasher staple I don't know why if you please reach out yeah, to let us, us know. it's at Screaming Cast, or you can at Ryan Larson on Twitter or at B not B B E E not B E A, um, and tell us what you thought. I even reached out. Um, you know, I have a group of like a small group of horror enthusiasts that I talk to pretty much every day, and I even told them after I watched the movie, I was like, "Just watch Terror Train." Did not love it. You know, I'm gonna and B and I try to do that with every movie is sit on it for about a week so we can like really feel it out um and i came away liking it less a week away and so um i asked them i was like yeah i didn't love it they're like oh i kind of liked it i'm like why and they're like i don't know i just kind of remember liking it and i was like please rewatch it and tell me why because outside of the setting which is awesome and the theme or not the theme but like the the costume which one of them mentioned like oh i thought it was cool that he switched costumes you're right that is cool he does it three times yeah like it wasn't enough to make the movie super cool for me 
Um, so I just want to know why, because I know it is well regarded in the slasher world. Like, I, I don't know if it's the Jamie Lee Curtis connection. I mean, I love her. Yeah. I will watch Jamie Lee Curtis. We talked about this the last episode. Mm-hmm. I will watch her in anything. I think she's almost always great. And so it's actually hard to watch her in this movie because she was given nothing. And what she was given, she doesn't do a great... You only She only shines at her best in the end of the movie. Because, end of the movie and with David Copperfield. And with David Copperfield. With she their, is like, the hero of the story. Yeah. Um, but you're but, right. It's the end of the movie when she finally comes through as the Jamie Lee Curtis that we know. Um, yeah, so I just don't get it. I, I really don't. Um, I don't... I need to know why you guys like it. Yeah, and uh, Ryan and I are like always... And we've been talking about this a lot, too. It's like we have very similar tastes, Ryan and I, which is one of the reasons why we're best friends. It's another reason why we both love slashers. We do disagree with stuff. Like, off, like it it does happen where he'll come in like, oh, my God, you liked that movie? And I'm like, what? Yeah, I did. And he's like, why? Like, we do disagree on things. But um, on this one, we both, like, did not feel a connection to it. And I'm always open to, like, if you can explain to me why, like, argue me why, and I can come to a greater understanding. That's what this podcast is about. Mm-hmm. And part of the reason why we do so much research and we understand, like, oh, this is why, like, Ben didn't want a lot of dialogue. Right. And, like, it makes you this appreciate. This is why David Copperfield's even in this movie. Yeah, that's why yeah. the magic is a story point. Like, it makes you appreciate it more and then you can look at the film and go like, okay, like I like this movie. Uh, I I don't know if I can say I even like this movie as a whole. I like part. I do like parts of it. Mm-hmm. If, I like some themes and like ideas. Yeah, I think it's like a cool concept. I love the concept, but like I yeah, want this to be remade. That's yeah. yeah. That's, that's I want what it to be remade thinking. and expanded. Like I want more emotional depth with my characters. I want more costume I changes. Want more costumes, and I want kills on screen. Yeah. And then, like, more creative kills. More magic. Make a magic theme. I don't care. Magic is a huge part of this movie. I, I would love, love some magic theme kills. And I see, the only complaints I usually see is too much magic. And I'm like, no, not enough magic. Yeah, I agree. And I do love, there are, so, this this was brought up on, because um, I'm the moderator for the Shockwaves Horror Movie Club on Facebook. Um, and this movie was definitely brought up. And it was very polarized. Like, half the people were like, I love all the magic in this movie. And half the people were like, why the fuck are there 20 minutes of magic in this movie? I love the magic in the movie. I wish there was more of a theme with that. Because I think it is the strongest theme behind, uh, um, mm-hmm. just behind, like, um, Ben Johnson's, like, kind of character. Like, the grizzled, like, love of the, the railway. You know, yeah. the railroad. Um, but, yeah, if you guys have a reason, I would love to be, like be said, um, I'm very open-minded to things. Like, if you can present something to me that I didn't recognize before or look at it from a different way and look at it in a different light and be like, oh, like, knowing that or, like, thinking about it that way. And different people have different life experiences and just also different ways of looking at things. Like, I love hearing those and being able to think of, oh, okay, if I watched it from that perspective, would I like it more? Um, Or if I watched it knowing that, would I care about it more? So, yeah, also, reach, reach yeah. out to us. We would love to hear from you. Also, you might think it's not a very good movie, but you just might have had more fun with it than us. That's yeah. a very big possibility. It is. I mean, it is if one of those. It hits your notes. Like, just right, you're going to have fun with a movie no matter what. And for us, it just, we're like suckers for like our teen drama. Mm-hmm. And we, I think because they gave us the teen drama without us caring about the characters, it just was flat for we us. might have also gone in with too high of expectations like true because it is very well received um you know we both i think like the idea of like costuming um yeah. and so like that was a big thing for us we're both jamie lee curtis fans if you um, haven't guessed already we love us a themed fucking yes, movie yeah, and I killer do, yeah, so. so yeah so all those things we might and also it is one of the few movies we've watched not in a larger group of people just the so, two of us uh yeah and my wife watched like half of it so she got up and like ah. she's like i'm going to bed and i was like okay um so i don't know uh, yeah reach out to us let us know again at screaming cast at ryan larson um at be not be um, now we're going to rank the movie. This is our fifth movie. As of now, our ranking goes Urban Legend, Silent Night, Deadly Night, Most Likely to Die, and Blood Rage. I'm going to put this last. Yeah. Okay. Me too. Uh, it just, it doesn't have the, it didn't even have like the fun and camp of Blood Rage. That's the thing. Yeah. Uh, it didn't have the payoff with the theme killer. Like it, it, I mean, it starts, but it doesn't finish, I think, strongly um it didn't have like characters i super cared about um yeah it just did not connect with me uh and there wasn't enough it's like everything about it 
is like half cool like Mm -hmm. the costumes are like oh that's really cool and then it kind of like peters off and then it's like oh the railroad is really cool but they never utilize Mm -hmm. it in the right way and it's like oh the magic is actually captivating but it's not in a lot of the movie and it's not themed properly oh we kind of find out about this train conductor character like all these things are like half thought out and then it's like they got to the second half of the movie and they're like we're over budget let's wrap this shit up let's go and maybe that happened i don't know i didn't find anything about that but um yeah, it's definitely last for me. It's last for me too, for all those reasons you just stated. And then I think it wor- it's the film out of all the ones we've talked about that works the least as a slasher. Oh yeah. And like as a slasher, it's by far the worst. It 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 works more as like a if you take out the kills, it works more as like a, a drama about like the struggles of freaking like relationships in college. Like that's kind of what the theme is like throw a bunch of college kids going through a hard time on a train and this is what happens like and that would also be a bad movie but Mm -hmm. it's just it it's it was slow you don't connect with the characters the kills are not rewarding in any way our killer is not rewarding in any way um yeah and i the thing is too is like i always like to think about like rewatchability like how we're going to go back. And I think that's part of the great things about slashers. Like I can't tell you most of them. I've seen the ones that I really love. I watch over and over and over and you can watch them alone or you can watch them in a group. Those are the best ones. I don't really want to watch this one again. Like definitely not alone. I I will watch this again. If someone out there presents us with a reason to rewatch it, like give me a different view to have and I'll get a group of friends because I'm not watching it alone. And yeah. we'll watch it. Yeah. And that's the only way I'm coming back to this movie. Yeah, because even with Blood Rage, like, you can watch it because you can laugh at it. Oh, I would watch Blood Rage yeah. tonight, like, with yeah. a group of friends. Like, I think that's a highly enjoyable movie, especially the more people. Yeah, to just, like, laugh at it. It's a sur- absurdity. But mm-hmm. this movie isn't absurd. There's no. nothing mm-hmm. about it that's cheesy or campy or mm-hmm. absurd or over-the-top gory, which makes Blood Rage a better slasher. Yep. So I'm sorry. I wanted to love you so much, Terror mm-hmm. Train. Yeah, you have you have a lot of potential, and I'm like seriously now like I really Advocating need a remake. I yeah. really need a remake. Yeah, um, I agree. And uh, yeah, so that's Terror Train will be last for us. Sorry, guys. Um, but thank you, Scream Factory. The blue is beautiful. It's beautiful. It's. I mean, gr- I mean these guys <laughs> do no wrong. Um, and you know, like I got it on sale. It was a deal. It was 15 bucks. Like, don't regret buying it at all. Uh-huh. Love having it in the collection. And again, I would love to hear from you guys. Um, But yeah, it's going to be fifth for us. It's our fifth movie. Happy New Year. Yeah. This episode goes up on January 1st. It is the New Year's Eve for Ryan and I. We are celebrating tonight together. Yeah, we'll be bringing in the New Year. Um, And I'm sure some movie will be on and music will be on and drinking will be happening. If you guys get a chance, go check out our... um, uh brendan klein is uh he does a lot of writing online he's wrote for like blumhouse he has his own podcast it's called uh scream 101 and he is also our um like he hosts our podcast um through podpeople.me uh that's a little like blurb you hear every episode before the podcast starts and we did uh we were asked to be on his show uh and we discussed our top five horror movies of 2017 so go check that out. It went up today. That's December 31st. So that is up now. You can go listen to it. That's on um, iTunes as well. Uh, so definitely check that out. And we'll be back in two weeks. And I think we're talking about Happy Death Day. We yes. we are. We yes. are talking about Happy Death Day. So it will be our newest movie to date. Um, yeah. It will literally be like fresh to blue. Like we'll It be... won't even be out yet on blue. It's just on VOD. Oh, VOD. Yeah, it yeah. won't be out yet. So it will be fresh like by the time you hear it it will probably just be coming out on blu-ray so So, um but have a safe new year thank you guys for listening uh five episodes in we're having a blast and we plan to keep doing this on schedule for the foreseeable future and b will finally have a computer again soon so you can get your hands on some sweet uh posters if you go to keepscreaming.com you can get those they're only 10 bucks so definitely check that out and uh that's it yeah thank you bye